Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What up, Duval? Welcome into another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. And today we are joined by Jeremy Markowski. He's a contributing writer over at GinJag.com. Lately, he's been running a best of the best series, kind of breaking down the best players at each position in Jaguars history. Most recently, he broke down the defensive tackles, which was a fun one, with some serious talent coming through that uh, spot for the Jaguars over the years. So give a warm Duval welcome to Jeremy. What's up, my man? Hey, man. How's it going? Cannot complain. Ready to talk some Jags football. Just a little bit over a month away from the start of the regular season if the NFL gets its way and everything goes as planned. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Excited to talk about your best of the best list a little bit and uh, go through a couple other things that we have planned for today. And also on the docket, we do have... PFF ranked the Jaguars running backs, and I don't normally give PFF too much flack, but these rankings were just egregious, so we'll talk a lot about that. We will uh, also talk about how the the offense desperately needs to start fast for Jacksonville this year, why I think that, and uh, how they can possibly get off to a fast start. And then, like I said to end the show, we'll talk about the position group, some of Jeremy's favorites from the best of the best series. Thanks to all our supporters out there and for all of our Apple listeners, if you could please leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app. Those reviews help more Jaguars fans like you find the show and make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo. And of course, follow generation Jaguar at generation Jag on Twitter. So a couple news items before we get into the meat of the show. The Jaguars activated cornerback Perry Nickerson from the COVID list today. That leaves running back Rykel Armstead, tight end Charles Jones, wide receiver Michael Walker, and two rookie O-linemen Trevor Wallace-Sims and Ryan Pope left on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. So that does appear to be uh, heading in the right direction for the Jaguars. Um, And then... From a PR standpoint, the Jaguars are having a lot of fun with Minshew back with the team. Uh, Yesterday, his press conference, when he was asked about briefly being placed on the COVID list, this is how he responded. did not contract the virus. Uh, It took one luck at me, ran the other way. Uh, It's probably in its best interest. So, um... (laughs) So, yeah, he's having a great time with that. The Jaguars even got him doing the blue steel look from uh, from Zoolander. Have you gotten to catch any of that stuff, Jeremy? Yeah, I've seen it. I think it's great. I mean, Minshew just brings an unmatched energy and, you know, just brings this aura to Duval that I don't think we've really seen in a while. I think, you know, between the stages of Jaguars history, 
you know, we've kind of gotten into these deep lulls where the team hasn't been great. There hasn't been a lot of winning at times, uh, you know, and you kind of get stuck in that repetitive, just losing cycle. So I think he brings a lot of great energy and a lot of great, like I said, a great aura to the city. And I think they're having fun with it. And I mean, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to win, you got to have fun. Yeah, I wasn't sure that there would be a quarterback to come along that was more Duval than Blake Bortles, but Minshew certainly has personified Jacksonville during his time here. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, On another more serious note, the deadline for players to opt out of the 2020 season has been set for Thursday, August 6th, which is probably when you'll be listening to this. Uh, So far for the Jaguars, just Al Woods and Laurenti McRae have opted out. You've had some other teams like the Patriots. Yeah, I believe seven players opt out. Um, And on the Al Woods front, I haven't gotten a chance to talk about that on the podcast. I highly recommend the Jaguars bringing back Marcel Darius or one of the other talented veterans out there. What are your thoughts on that? I I think you've got the right mindset there. I mean, first off, you're not going to see, in my opinion, a lot of Jaguars opting out. It's a very young team. You're seeing a lot of veterans who have made some money, uh, you know, and and don't really need that financial stability per se. Uh, With the Jags being so young, I think you're going to see a a little less of that. Uh, With Al Woods opting out, yeah, that's huge. Um, I think on on the front so far, obviously the biggest player uh, yet to opt out. Um, I think... Like you said, you've got to go get another defensive tackle, especially a big guy inside, a big body that can eat up a couple gaps, especially with the Jaguars looking to throw more of that 3-4 look at uh, opposing offenses this year. You're going to need a guy who's going to be able to to command those double teams and keep uh, guards and centers inside and let those ends and outside linebackers get one-on-one matchups and pass rush. Yeah, absolutely. I do like Devon Hamilton quite a bit, third-round pick out of Ohio State, but you don't want to thrust a guy – uh, into that starting role unneedily. Like, you've got options out there on the free agent market. Go get one of your guys. Why not get Marcel Darius, who's manned that position for the Jaguars for the last two and a half years, and bring him back into the fold here? He's not too old. So I think uh, that would be definitely a good play for the Jaguars. Now, getting into the meat of the show, uh, Without further ado, PFF ranked the Jaguars running back 31st in the NFL. And no matter which way you slice it, that's just a ridiculous ranking. And it's a perfect example of why you should use PFF as a tool to help you to better understand the game. But they are not the end-all and be-all when it comes to football. Uh, I'll start out the conversation by acknowledging that the Jaguars did struggle to score on the ground in 2020. They only scored... Well, Fournette scored three rushing touchdowns. I think they got a couple more in there. But a lot of that can be contributed or attributed to stacked boxes, poor play calling by John DeFilippo in the red zone, and honestly, poor blocking and execution by the O-line. What are your thoughts on this, Jeremy? I mean, right off the bat, there is a lot going on. I can understand. I don't agree with it per se, Uh, but you're right. A lot of poor play calling, um, a lot of you know the fact that there's a sixth round rookie quarterback, you know, in the backfield. Why wouldn't you stack the box? Uh, you know, when you've got a guy like Leonard Fournette, who, uh, you know, is, was not coming off a great year by any means, uh, but was still, uh, you know, a solid producer. Um, but yeah, you, you know, there's there's no other way for defenses to attack that offense right off the bat rather than stacking the box. So I can understand, you know, where their thought process was. But looking at some other teams in front of them and some other aspects that really play into this, I think it's absolutely absurd. 
Yeah, I really do too. And not even to focus too much on the other teams around them, which is what I would normally do for a ranking like this. Because normally, even when PFF, and I think, gets it wrong, uh, they're usually not this far off. But there's no way the Jaguars should be even close to 31st. Uh, I'll start out by pointing out that Leonard Fournette averaged 4.3 yards per carry despite facing the fourth most loaded boxes of any runner in the NFL last year. His expected yards per carry, which is a new next-gen stat, was just 3.9. So that means he exceeded expectations based on the O-line's performance by almost half a yard per attempt. He also posted the fourth highest yards after contact average of any runner in the league and so that's from an individual standpoint with your uh, top running back. Then you look at the team as a whole. They, uh, they finished 15th in yards per carry in the NFL in 2019 and 17th in total rushing yards in 2019. I mean, honestly, what gives here? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it, it does really, you know, kind of look into the – media perspective of the Jaguars. Uh, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the Jaguars being ranked 32nd total amongst all teams in every aspect. I mean, I think that's also absurd, but I mean, the biggest thing, you know, that I look at here is it's not that long ago, you know, two years removed from a season, you know, in which the Jaguars led the league in rushing. And I understand that there's been bumps along the way. Um, I understand, you know, everything that went on last year, but I think really coming into this year, you have to take into consideration the fact that that offensive line from 2017 is mostly back. You're going to get a healthy Cam Robinson, hopefully fully confident off of you know last year's uh, year back after his, his terrible knee injury. Uh, and you've got Jawan Taylor coming into his second year who proved uh, that he could be uh, a nice fixture on the right side of the line. So you got to look at that and see, you know, some things that you like. Uh, you got some guys, uh, you know, Ben Barch, uh, the Jaguars draft pick this year, who can probably factor in hopefully in, in the guard slot. I know they said they're going to move around a little bit, but there are areas to improve. And I don't think you can look at this and say, this team's going to get worse, especially from the running attack than they were last year. Yeah. And I mean, Looking at the runners that are back, you've got Armstead and Zigbo back, who were the primary backups last year. Plus, you've got Chris Thompson, who adds talent to that backfield with uh, uh, as one of the premier pass-catching backs in football, really. And he has a lot of experience with Jay Gruden, obviously. So I just don't see it here. Um, it really frustrates me because it's just one of those rankings that really doesn't make any sense. I think they also rank the Jaguars wide receivers 32nd in football. So it's just kind of crazy what what PFF is seeing that we're not seeing. And we'll see how it all plays out in a few months, obviously. Um, I talked with Brandon Linder today, the team's starting center, and this is what he had to say about improving from a rushing standpoint inside the red zone in 2020. Jags offense struggled to punch the ball into the end zone inside the 20 quite a bit, uh, particularly from a rushing standpoint. And I was just wondering how you and your line mates can improve in that area in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously when we get down there, that's a huge emphasis is putting the ball in the end zone, right? You only have so many opportunities and seven's better than three. So uh, I think this year is going to be a big emphasis. And when we get in that red zone, when we get into the goal line is executing, you know, our plays, executing the technique. I think communication is a huge thing. 
And then, uh, you know, play calling, you know, what kind of plays and schemes down there that work and that fit us well and that we can run well and we can execute. And uh, I agree with Linder on a lot of what he said there. These guys need to execute the plays better, but the play caller, who is now Jay Gruden, will need to do a better job than John Filippo did last year at calling plays uh, that'll get the Jaguars into the end zone and plays that work for the talent that they have. And that kind of leads us into our next topic, which is starting fast on offense. I wrote a piece on this earlier today. The Jaguars' offense, like we've noted here, is in a state of transition. We're just over a month away from the regular season opener against the Colts, and the Jaguars are just now this week taking the practice field for the first time as a team, and they're not even taking it as a, as a full unit. The 90-man roster is currently being separated for practicing uh, for social distancing reasons. Uh, and with the team having to hone in and learn a new playbook and offensive philosophy, it's going to be difficult to get off to a hot start on offense. But that hot start is exactly what they need because the first four games of the season, perhaps the most winnable stretch of the entire year, they start out with the Colts at home and then take on the Titans on the road, two important divisional matchups. But then it's where it gets really interesting as they host the Dolphins on Thursday night football, and then head to Cincinnati to take on Burrow and the Bengals. Uh, the Colts' defense ranked 16th in 2019, which is the first team they take on. And then it just kind of descends from there. The Titans, they came in at 21st. The Finns came in at 30th, and then the Bengals came in at 29th. The Jaguars will have a golden opportunity to start fast on the offensive side of the ball. But in order for it to happen, the team will need to adjust to Gruden's West Coast principles, and Gruden will need to adjust his offense to what's working on the practice field. Fortunately, the Jaguars do have Tyler Eifert and running back Chris Thompson available to help teach the rest of the offense about Gruden's philosophy and playbook and how he likes to get things done. Both guys played with Gruden in the past. And then you've also got Gardner Minshew, who took it upon himself to master this uh the ins and out of this playbook before he got to camp so he could get there and be another guy for players around him to lean on throughout training camp, kind of pull the rest of the guys along. So, you know, this offense will need to come together quickly as the road gets tougher in the second half of the season. In the final eight games, the Jaguars play Vikings, Packers, Ravens, Steelers, and Bears in all their divisional matchups as well. All those are going to be tough matchups for the offense so they really need to get rolling early and those first four games could really start to tell the tale of the entire Jaguars 2020 campaign what are your thoughts on this offense starting fast in 2020 Jeremy I agree Uh, I think that's going to be key to this season I think you have to look at like you said the first stretch of games Uh, you know you've got two divisional matchups right off the bat all right you've got you know, Indianapolis coming to Jacksonville that first week of the season, you've got to go ahead and get an immediate divisional win. Start off the season right. Uh, the offense is going to have to adapt quickly, like you said, to this new style, this new Jay Gruden uh, you know, scheme. I do understand that there's going to be some issues there. It's going to pose some problems with this you know, pandemic world we're living in. Training camp's not the same. But you've got a young, hungry quarterback who has a lot to prove. I think he knows he has a lot to prove. Uh, you know, He's not you know, a first-round guy coming in who knows he's got three years to develop. He's got to win, and he's got to win now. So I think the pressure's on him, and he knows that. And I think, like you said, getting off to that early stretch, that early jump, is going to be the best case scenario for the Jaguars. You've got the Colts, something that, you know, 
they do have a much better defense, but you've got to get out there fast, win that game. Same thing with the Titans and Dolphins. You know, the Titans have always been a tough matchup for the Jaguars, but it's another divisional game right off the bat. You have to win. I think the biggest key for that, you know, hot start, like we touched on earlier, is going to be that red zone efficiency. You've got to become more efficient in the red zone. You've got to have better play calling, and you've got to have, you know, big targets that you can go to and rely on consistently to punch it in. You've got to have that offensive line getting a much better punch at the point of attack you know Leonard Fournette's not going to be a guy who's going to dance around the backfield he's going to get up the field quick he's a downhill power running back so you need that offensive line to get that punch off the ball and create some space you need guys like DJ Chark to be reliable again but he's going to command a lot more attention so you need guys like LaVisca Chenault you need Tyler Eifert a veteran presence to come in hopefully with a great red zone presence big body can go up and get the ball Uh, I think that's going to be key in that hot start for the Jaguars yeah, I agree with you on all that stuff. And uh, how sweet would it be, like you said, Gardner Mitchell's out here trying to prove himself if uh, Tua Tagovailoa is taking the field for the Dolphins in Week 3 and then Joe Burrow in Week 4 for Mitchell to go out and outplay those guys who were the consensus top quarterbacks coming out this year. That would just be icing on the cake for Minshew over the first four weeks if they're able to get a few wins and if he's able to kind of show out against two of the top quarterbacks that have come out recently. Yeah, I definitely agree well again. And, you know, Minshew has always, in my you know opinion, performed better than some of these guys who uh, have been ranked higher than him. Uh, you know, you look at last year, Kyler Murray, all that hoopla. He definitely performed better than Kyler Murray. You know, the stats are there. It's in the numbers. Uh, I think it's going to be great for him. I also think he has the upper hand in this scenario. Being a second-year guy, you know, although it is a you know, odd pandemic off season. He's going to have that upper hand. He's going to know the speed of the game. He's going to have a little bit more uh, comfortability in the pocket, in the presence of the NFL, all that kind of good stuff. Now, you're not going to have the fans, so you know it may be a little bit, uh, you know, of, of an easier transition for some of these younger guys um, to kind of you know get in there, uh, especially with Tua having to come play potentially uh, in Duval. I'm not sure if he'll be the starter yet for Miami uh, come Week Three, uh, but you know it's possible. Uh, but I definitely think he has a chance to really sh- overshadow those guys. Yeah, absolutely. So. The Jaguars have got to start fast on offense. They've got a new offense they're learning, so it's going to be very challenging. But it seems like the pieces are in place that it could happen, and the schedule just kind of breaks the right way early on in the season for the Jaguars. So now moving on, we're going to talk about something you've been working on a lot lately, the best of the best series where you've gone through every position group. You haven't made it through quite all of them so far, but you've done a lot of them and you've given the top three players from Jaguars history at that group and uh, kind of broken down a couple more of the guys' honorable mention style. So without further ado, what has been your uh, most fun position groups looking at it? Uh, This has been great for me as a lifelong Jaguars fan to kind of go back and reminisce on some of those glory days. Um, The best one that I've gotten to so far, um, you know, combined is the defensive line. You know, I really have always, uh, you know, had an admiration for the Jaguars and their defense, you know, as, as, over the years, it's really been one of their, uh, you know, true callings as a team. Uh, they've always been known to be a smash mouth defensive team. Um, I really like looking at the, like I said, the defensive line. You know, you've had legends such as Stroud and Henderson, uh, you know, who posed 
a huge, huge threat uh, to offenses over the years. You know, the, the real twin towers. Um, and that defensive line, you know, has been dominant, you know, throughout history. Uh, you know, even from, uh, you know, the Brackens days all the way up till now, you know, even though uh, Jan's on the way out, he was great. And, and we have a young guy in Josh Allen who uh, hopefully become a game changer himself. Yeah, the defensive line, it's been one of the calling cards of the Jaguars, whether it be on that interior with the guys you were talking about or Gary Walker back in 99 to 2001 where he was just wreaking havoc. I mean, his stretch in that and those three years might be the best of any defensive tackle in team history. And then obviously Stroud and Henderson had a little bit longer run there where they were just dominating together. You got Calais for a couple of years, unique for a few years. You got Josh Allen now and Caleb on chase on seems to have a bright future as well. So the defensive line has been a lot of fun to think about and look at. Uh, for me, when I think about the best position group in Jaguars history, the one I love the most, it's got to be the running back position. From James Stewart to Fred to Mojo to Leonard now and everyone in between, running the ball has been at the heart of the Jaguars' success when they have been successful throughout the years. And there's just some awesome guys that, they've, that have come through Jacksonville at running back. Absolutely. Uh, definitely comes in as a close second for me, uh, you know, as in regards to my favorite position groups over the years. The running back position has been the most consistent position over the course of the franchise history, and it's not even a debate. Like you said, you know, just coming right off the bat with James Stewart, and then you got Freddie T, who, you know, spanned a whole you know, generation of, of, of Jaguars, not only fans, but a, a time period in which the team was dominating on offense they had a great style they've always been smash mouth kind of like some things i've gone over in some of the articles i wrote but you know freddie t hopefully future hall of famer one of the best jags in history and then you transition right in kind of overlap you know to mojo d coming out of ucla and i mean it just seamless transition one of the best one-two punches that i've seen in a backfield it was short-lived but it was fantastic and then you know there was a two-year stretch there where you know things weren't uh, as great as they had been but you've got fournette over the last three years a great rookie year and you know he's had his ups and downs but he's been a serviceable back and it just goes to show and continue that continuity of how consistent the running back position has been for this franchise yeah it's been a lot of fun to watch over the years and certainly that has been the Jaguars identity smash mouth football but uh, hopefully they can get back to that even more this year obviously they produced on the ground to an extent last year they did not punch the ball into the end zone nearly enough I do expect that to improve this year I do expect Fournette to kind of regress closer to his mean for his touchdowns I mean he scored I think like six or seven touchdowns during an injury riddled second year during his rookie year he scored I think 10 touchdowns and then you look at him scoring three touchdowns in the playoffs against the Steelers so he's a guy that knows how to find the end zone I look for him to do that a lot more in 2020 yeah and that's good oh go ahead <laughs> absolutely I mean I think he's you know gonna be a, a guy again this year he's gonna be a guy who's going to carry a lot of the load on offense and rightfully he should, you know, as a number, as a four overall pick, um, you know, he's, he's gotta be that guy. He's gotta get the ball in his hands. I mean, one of the things that that pro football focus mentioned, and I know we're kind of going back to that, but they mentioned that, you know, he, 
his ability out of the backfield catching the ball wasn't all that great. But from my perspective, I disagree. I mean, you look at him last year, uh, he racked up, I believe it was uh, 76 catches for 522 yards um, and about like, it was like 6.9 yards uh, per reception. To me, you know, as an offensive guy looking at that, if I'm giving a guy a ball out of the backfield and he's getting me seven yards, Every time he touches the ball, I'm okay with that. So, uh, you know, I, he's going to have to, sh- you know, shoulder a big load of the offense again. But I think you will see a better Leonard Fournette than you did last year. Yeah, I totally agree about the receiving. I do see potential for that to go down a bit this year, not in terms of his efficiency, but in terms of just the total receptions with Chris Thompson coming in. But I agree that the efficiency, while 6.9 is a low number, even for running backs, you look at the situation that was around him, didn't have a lot of room to work. He caught 76% of his targets, which was 76 out of 100, and he helped the, the offense move uh, much more consistently when he was on the field than when he wasn't. So I'm totally with you on that. I do think we're going to see a, a fun year for Leonard Fournette, who is entering a contract year, so he knows the big bucks are on the line. It's going to be fun to watch him this year. But that will do it for the show today. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markoski. Myself at Jordan DeLugo and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. Check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and GenJag merch. Thanks for listening, Duval.